Welcome to the All or Nothing Podcast, where we bring to you companies that are here to change the game. And I'm your host, Rodrigo Ballone. Now, we all know that there's a lot of crazy people out there. And people get put in vulnerable situations every day. Whether you just met someone online and you're going on a blind date, or you're traveling across the world, staying in a hostel, there's not much you can do if someone tries to hurt you. And if you're in a situation where you need a family member or a friend to save you, trying to get your phone out to make a call is almost out of the question. People want to be connected to their close ones when they need them. And having a quick and easy way to let your family know exactly where you are when you're in danger is priceless. Now our next guest has created a small wearable device that lets you reach out to your loved ones at a touch of a button. Let's welcome the founder and CEO of Revlar, Jacqueline Rose. How are you today? Hi, Rodrigo. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast today. Really appreciate it. I'm glad to have you on. People are put in vulnerable situations all the time, but currently there isn't much someone can do if no one else is around to help. So tell us, what sparked this idea? Absolutely. Um, you know, when I, when I look back, I... I've lost track of how many times I have felt unsafe walking through cities that I love. But it wasn't until my little sister was assaulted that I had to face the reality that one in four women and one in six men are assaulted in the United States. And those statistics are even worse abroad. Um, after what happened to her, I mean, she had, she had a phone on her, but there was no time to take it out, unlock it, call for help. It, just, it didn't happen. Um, so what I wanted was something that was discreet and beautiful and that would really quick, quickly let you reach your loved ones. Um, so Revelar is a discreet wearable that can let a friend virtually walk you home. It can make your phone ring automatically so you can exit that bad Tinder date, that bad meeting gracefully. It can send for help if, God forbid, you find yourself in that situation or just let people know, hey, here I am, made it home safe. You mentioned that what's unique about it is that it's quick and easy to use. So tell us, how does it work and how does it notify your loved ones? Absolutely. So Revelar, when you, when you purchase it, you sync it to the phone. It uses low-energy Bluetooth. When you trigger it, it's either a one-button press, two- or three-button press. And it then sends the alert through our app to the contacts you pre-selected. So you get five contacts for each level of alert. So, for example, um, my, my check-in alert, my blue alert, go to my boyfriend and my mom. My yellow alert is set up for ring me so that it automatically makes my phone ring so I can be like, oh, sorry, i got to take this. Um, and then my red alert is customized for if I need help, please send for help. So when you trigger those types of alerts, they receive a message and a, they are able to either see your location in a snapshot, like with a check-in, or they're able to, at that point, see where you're heading with a yellow or red alert. That's cool because the user has options. In some situations, you might not need code red assistance, but in other times, that's exactly what you need. So that design was definitely a good idea. But you mentioned earlier that this problem isn't just a U.S. problem. It's worldwide. And your co-founder is actually from Colombia, a country where kidnapping is a lot more common than here in the U.S. So what are some opportunities you see selling this product internationally? You know, it's funny that you asked that. We actually tried to convince 
uh, people that we should launch in Latin America first. My co-founder, Andrea, is an incredible human being, and she moved here from Bogota, and she just recently was comfortable telling her story. She was worried about the safety of her family. Back in Colombia, um, her grandmother was kidnapped uh, by the guerrillas and held for some time. And it was because of that kidnapping that her whole family moved to the United States with $1,000 and one suitcase with poor kids. Um, so she went from having a very different kind of life in Colombia and moving to the United States. And so she is an incredible you know, role model for, for why we need this product abroad. Uh, but my own family, I'm Cuban-Colombian. And uh, when I think about what my family has experienced, it's just it's such a need. Um, Egypt and India are at a 99.3% sexual assault rate against women. And so for me, I'm, I'm really focused on how quickly can we make this product accessible um, and, and get it to them. But one step at a time, because we are a startup. <laughs> this is a great product to have in terms of safety and keeping track of your family, especially if you have kids. But the product isn't a necessity. People have made it this far without Revelar. So early on, what are some of your biggest challenges selling this product, and how did you overcome it? You know, it's interesting that you said, you know, people have made it this far uh, without Revelar, and, you know, they have. Um, survivors are incredibly strong people. The word Revelar actually means to take flight again, and it's an ode to survivors and their ability to pick themselves back up. Uh, but the reality is, when you're looking at how many people have been assaulted over a lifetime, I mean, you're hitting 70 to 75% of the population, and we know that this results in, in serious emotional, physical tolls. I mean, if, uh, sexual assault alone in like 1996 cost us over $400 billion in the U.S. Um, so there are effects. Um, I think it's just nobody wants to talk about them. And that was our biggest barrier to marketing was, how, you know, people have, uh, have this ability to block out things that they don't want to remember. And what we frequently found with Revelar is I would describe the product to a really strong person, you know, who prides themselves on being independent, just like I do. And they do, you know, they say what well, you said, I don't need this, I'm fine. And then they think about it and or go on a run at night or do something. And all of a sudden that hair on their back of their neck got a little nervous and they call us back and be like, you know what? I actually would use it for running at night. I actually would use it for getting from the the airport and crossing that parking lot when I fly in, um, you know, and so it's fascinating how people, it takes them a second, and it's our job to, to empower them in those moments, um, but it hasn't been easy. I think it's something we're still very much working on. It's still something we're testing and experimenting and working with and, you know, segmenting so that each person feels those needs, because another challenge we faced with marketing the message was that each message, safety is so unique, right? Like, you and I have different safety needs. Um, you know, you have safety needs, I have safety needs, but they're probably completely different. Um, you may not worry about the same things I worry about, but there are definitely moments where you would feel that. And so it's really about making it an individual message, which can be hard to do on a, on a small budget. Uh, but it's also about just letting them know we have their back and creating a product that has more functionality than just you're safe or it's a full-blown emergency. Because the reality is, you know, if, if I think about a college girl, 21 years old, um, you know, she she's accepting a Tinder date, and she's thinking to herself, oh, he's cute, but I hope he's not a serial killer. Um, you know, she goes on the date, and she doesn't know, do I leave my drinks unattended? And in those moments, 
we want them to customize their message and let people know where they are and what's happening so that they know that they're not alone even when they are you know, adventuring and, and trying new things and meeting new people. Um, so it's, it's, it's difficult, but it's something that we really are excited about. When it comes to security products, most companies push the fear factor in their marketing. But your team has taken a different approach. You focus on staying connected. Can you talk about your mindset when it comes to the marketing and your message? Absolutely. I, it was a hard choice, right? It, it's hard to balance reminding people that they do need safety and not using fear. Um, it's, but we decided that we were going to walk that line and, and we were going to push ourselves to be better than that. Um, you know, fear definitely sells. Uh, there, there's no doubt about it. But it wasn't the, the path that we wanted to go. The point of our technology isn't that you should, you should be so afraid that you use it. It's that you should be fearless but smart. So just in case something happens, you fall off your bike, you have to walk home late at night from the library, someone has your back. Um, and so that's, you know, that's, that's been a tricky balance, but it's more about like we have your back versus you should be terrified, um, which, is, which is a hard balance. Um, and, and I think sometimes we've hit it on the head and other times we haven't, right? Like we learned that, you know, using the word nonviolent, um, some people reacted really strongly to that. And what we realize is that because our device really isn't for defense, it's for communication and connectivity. You know, the communication is so powerful. And if people know you need help, wow, like that is, you know, how rare. Right now we have no way of capturing if something's happening at the point of an emergency. But um, selling that, you know, that empowerment and that, that strength is, it, it's uh, aspiring, but it's tricky. There's a lot of different groups of people that you could target with this product. Everything from parents to college kids and even domestic violence victims. But initially, who was your target audience and why? Initially, our target audience was young women and the LGBTQ community. Um, young women, because that's who inspired our technology. My little sister, uh, my friends in college. Um, you know, I wrote a, I wrote a blog about you know, the, the truth is that it wasn't just my sister, right? I had seen many of my friends in college be assaulted, studying abroad. I saw people get assaulted um, or, you know, or, or even worse, drugged. Um, and so young women, I think, are definitely vulnerable. I think most sexual assaults happen between the ages of 16 and 25. Uh, so you're really vulnerable at that stage. But then um, I used to teach LGBTQ inclusiveness, and it's something that matters deeply to me. And I also know that, you know, our, that community is, you know, it faces unique violence. Um, it, we're, we're even seeing it now, right? You know, transgender students are having their rights revoked. And so I think that that's a community that also could really, um, you know, benefit from Revelar and be empowered by it. And so our goal is to, to help those audiences. But um, when I was looking at the market, what I realized is that there were safety devices for little kids, the 24-7 trackers, you have like the life alerts of the world for the senior market. And the fact is, nobody was trying to keep some of the most vulnerable populations safe, and which is everybody in the middle. Uh, so we mm -hmm. wanted to really find something that appealed to them and that worked with them, right? Like they don't need somebody to track them 24-7. I don't want to be tracked 24-7. I just want to be able to reach out if I need it. Um, and so that's who we built it for. And, and you know, we're, we're excited to see that they've responded really well to, uh, to what we're doing. and. 
Um, we're constantly iterating, right? So um, we have some big stuff in the works for 2017 and just excited to keep moving forward. And we've learned a lot from, from launching just eight months ago. I do want to switch gears a little bit and go to the business side. Because when everyone starts a business, they have a pretty picture in their head of what the company is going to look like. And after a little marketing, customers will see it and buy the product. But almost immediately, we see that that's not the case. It's not that easy. So starting out, what were some signs that your initial vision needed work? <laughs> um, oh, man, there was multiple, right? I mean... I'll never forget, right? Our investors were like, launch really focused, really small, because you're going to have to start all over again and learn a ton, right? And what we mm -hmm. learned, right, was that, you know, I think in a big way was that wearability and how you wear it really matters. Um, this is a bit of a funny story, but one of my best friends, um, you know, she's very, very thin. And I told her, oh, yeah, I like to, she, I gave her one, and I like to wear it in between my bra, like right in the middle. Um, and she, you know, tried to do that. And, and, She's a little thinner than I am, and she was just like, Jackie, this sticks out more than my chest. It doesn't work there for mm. me. Um, and, you know, it's a bit of a funny story, but the reality is that like, we need to make it wearable for everybody and, and really fit that need. Um, and so, you know, there was little things like that, right? Like uh, we, we launched with just yellow and red alerts and very quickly updated the software on November 1st so that people could customize their messages and check in and, and do the ring me um, option. Uh, because we heard loud and clear that they were like, this is great, but I needed to do all these other things too so that I can use it on a daily basis. Um, so, you know, it, it's just about iteration and, and taking that feedback and not taking it personally. I mean, customers and I, we have the same vision, uh, but there are definitely times where I've, I would have picked something else so the data was clear. Uh, the example was the keychain design that we have. I had, I had picked a completely different keychain design, but 86% of the people doing the survey loved the one that we went with. And I was like, well, I got outvoted, and the customer is always right, so I'm going to give them the keychain that they want. And so there's moments like that where that's why you do customer discovery. That's why you ask people for their opinion. Um, and so I think that's been really helpful for us. Let's stay in that arena because getting a business up and running is one thing. But keeping the business up and running is another. And you have to constantly be looking to evolve and match your customers' needs. So how do you and your team gauge the temperature of your customers in order to help strategize and navigate moving forward? Hmm, let me think about that. I mean, overwhelmingly, we try to keep an open dialogue when, it, when we think about that. And I think the example, right, of how we evolve to meet our customer needs were the release of that customizable suite of software where they can customize their messages. Uh, because we heard people say loud and clear, um, I love this, but you know, I'm, I have health issues. I want to be able to differentiate between assault and health issues. And so keeping it running is definitely another. Um, I'll never forget, I thought the hardest part would be building the product. And that was hard. Uh, but the hardest part, I would say, is the marketing and, and reaching new customers. Because our current customers, um, I'm really proud to say our huge fans, um, but getting that reach from out there is it, tough. Um, so when we think about how to navigate moving forward, it's by constantly listening. Um, that's the, I think that's the only way. You have to listen and adjust constantly. A common mistake that entrepreneurs make is that they try to make everything happen on their own. And it's a shame because there's always opportunities to leverage the people around you, or soak up knowledge from a mentor. 
So can you tell us some situations where you utilize people from outside your company to help you get over a hurdle? Um, to, to touch a bit on my background, I used to be a teacher with Teach for America, uh, and I did not go to business school, and I'm not an engineer. So to be quite honest, I've had to leverage mentors every single step of the way. I have a mentor for finance. I have a mentor for marketing. I have a mentor for digital marketing. I have a mentor for operations and a mentor for leadership and organizational structure. And each step of the company requires that I evolve into a new CEO. Um, Brian Chesky from Airbnb wrote this awesome article that keeps me sane about how the job of a startup CEO changes drastically every six months. It's like going from being professional baseball player to being a professional soccer player to being a professional pianist to professional, you know, next thing. You have to be the best at what you do, but in a completely new way. And so at each stage of the company, I find myself um, reaching out to new kinds of mentors because the issues that I'm dealing with are new. Uh, when you're a six-person team, you don't need a lot of mentorship on organizational structure and communication. When you hit 24 people, you definitely need a mentor on organizational structure to make sure that everything's flowing correctly and that everybody is in the know. Um, so I would say that we've leveraged mentors heavily, having gone through Techstars twice. Uh, I'm super grateful for the time that they give us, and I will continue to do so at each step of the way. That's a great mentality to have, and it's refreshing to hear because I don't think most entrepreneurs look at running a company that way. It's so imperative to acquire new skills and evolve with the market if you want to survive, which is why I think what you're doing with the wearable industry is so cool. You know, it's a pretty new industry and we're really just at the tip of the iceberg when it comes to products and functionality. So what is it about this product that gives you a good chance to last the test of time? Hmm. You know, it's interesting that when I first came up with this idea in college, wearable was an adjective. <laughs> um, it's been fascinating to watch it turn into a noun, uh, which I think says a lot about the industry. I mean, when you create a verb, right, to Google something is now a verb, to Uber is now a verb, um, that's an incredibly powerful shift to make something into a verb or a noun. Um, and technology, I think, will continue to, to grow in this way. Um, and I think that our product is set up for success because we're addressing a hard need, um, but, it, but it's something that everybody faces in some way, shape, or form. Um, there's, I, and so when I think about how we're going to continue to grow, it's through constant evolution of our technology and our messaging. Um, you know, what my dream is one day to you know, Revlar is a household name. Our technology is ubiquitous, and to be able to learn from our from our Revlarians, which is we call our, what we call our customers, our Revlarians, about how, when they feel unsafe, what makes them feel uneasy, so that we can become more proactive, so we can be better for them, more predictive, and, and more intelligent for them. Um, I think that's the only way we, we stay alive, is by constantly evolving. I mean, it's, you know, very Darwin-like, but it's true. I mean, as any company, the, the speed at which we can adjust to changes in information and in, and in concerns and likes and competitive landscape, like these are all our critical abilities for us to be able to move in, in quickly. Um, in the, and there, I wouldn't use the word pivot because pivot means you're going in a whole different direction, but there are these, these minor adjustments and tweaks which take a ton of work but are critical to that success. 
Mm-hmm. Well, eventually the wearable technology industry will have companies that merge and combine functionality. For example, we've seen it in smartphones. When they've implemented music into the phones, that process eliminated CDs and iPods. We've also seen companies like Microsoft and Salesforce buy other tech companies to add to their suite of services to further dominate an area. So how do you see this type of product being used in the future? Do you think it would be absorbed into something like a smartphone or a wearable shirt? Absolutely. I think that our hardware will continue to evolve and wearables will stop being a noun because you're going to just wear it. <laughs> it's going to be your shirt, it's going to be your shoes, it's going to be your necklace. Um, but I still think it's going to be a bit until we get there, um, but not too far, right? I mean, shoot, we're, we're, we're not that far from going to Mars, so I don't think we're that far from having technology that you literally pull over your head. And so I'm excited for that day. I'm excited for technology to continue to improve because it just makes us better at what we do. Um, so that's something that I'm excited for and something that we definitely have an eye on. Uh, I also just, I love to believe I'm a fashionista. I'm like the dorkiest fashionista ever. Um, <laughs> my co-founder my co-founder co actually works in fashion, so she makes fun of my look. She thinks of like a little retro. But, um, you know, like I love, I for me, clothing is wearable art. Uh, jewelry is a wearable rock collection. Um, so when I think about these things, I can't wait for our technology to be even more beautiful and aesthetically pleasing and um, be the epitome of hidden in plain sight. Jacqueline, that was a great interview. You gave a lot of good information. So I appreciate that. Is there anything else you want to tell our audience before you go? Um, thank you for listening uh, this far, if you've made it this far, first off. And, you know, <laughs> Overwhelmingly, just know that there are days where you're like, what's happening? And, and you're going to feel overloaded. And, um, you know, two things that I've learned to handle that are, one, um, bad news has to travel fast. In a startup, everything's going to break at some point. So you just got to focus on being as transparent as you can and dealing with it head on, uh, which is hard. But, you know, it's easy to make good news travel fast. It's hard to make bad news travel fast. And then... You know, the last one is don't forget to catch your breath. Um, you know, every once in a while, you're, you're going to feel overwhelmed, and that's when you go for a walk. And it's in those moments, you know, I had a moment this past summer, and my co-founder was like, you'll figure it out, Jackie. Just, like, take a break, go for a walk. And, you know, 10 minutes into slicing some sweet potatoes, I was like, aha. Um, so sometimes you need to step away to get a fresh perspective, and that's normal and natural. Um, so, you know, for your entrepreneurs out there, we need more of you, um, especially in today's time. So keep up the good work and thank you all. Thanks, Rodrigo. Now, I want to thank you, Jacqueline, for being on the show. Now, if you want to hear more interviews like this, make sure you follow the All or Nothing podcast on iTunes, Spotify and Tidal. That's a wrap for this episode of All or Nothing, where we bring to you companies that are here to change the game. And I'm your host, Rodrigo Ballone.